Thanks for checking out the Southcrest Church Podcast. We are one church meeting in two locations in South Atlanta. You can find us online at southcrest.church, where you can listen to our past sermons, watch our 4G stories, and learn more about who we are. Let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God today. Yeah, come on, man. How many of you enjoyed college football yesterday, huh? Yeah, like, come on. And if you didn't, I'm really sorry, but for the next couple of months, it's going to be really, really awesome. I want to welcome both of our campuses here today. If you're worshiping with us in LaGrange, I want to say welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Here in our Noonan campus, I want to welcome you too. I want to thank you for being here on Labor Day weekend, right? Like, look at your neighbor and say, you're more spiritual than I thought, okay? (laughs) You're here on Labor Day. Um, I'm just so excited about where we're going to talk today. We're not in a series today. I'm actually going to do a standalone message today. Next week, I'm starting a series on how to learn to tune in the voice of God called Frequency. It's going to be an amazing series. And uh, I promise you, you don't want to miss next week. Also, we're going to be remembering 9-11 and doing some things there here in worship. But uh, today, I get the opportunity as a pastor to speak on whatever I want. And as a pastor and a speaker, that's like, that's like a kid on Friday with crayons, right? I mean, I can color anywhere I want today. And so I'm so excited that you guys are here and that you're going to get to hear this message. First of all, let me say this. I was at Kroger yesterday morning at about 1130, uh, getting some things for the games and everything like that. So yesterday morning I'm there, and I've never seen so much hope and expectation in people's lives. Like I'm literally looking at people, and they're just fired up. Like high-fiving the cashier, tipping people. I mean, people are just fired up. And, and, and as I'm sitting in line and people are, you know, you can just feel the buzz. You can just feel the energy in the room. I felt like the Lord said to me at that moment and said, Sean, I want you to have this much faith and expectancy on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Sunday. And so I want you to know I'm coming to you today. I just believe God has a word for us this morning. I believe God has a word for you personally in your life. And whether or not you lost a bet on a college football game and that's why you're here at church today, right? Because you got to own up on your bet. Like I heard at LaGrange, we actually have one of our worship leaders wearing Georgia colors today. Is that right, Caleb Warren? That's right. Okay. He's wearing Georgia colors. Had to throw that in there. But uh, I believe that today God has a word for our church and specifically a word for your life. So I think you're going to be thoroughly encouraged. Okay. So I want to tell you this story. When I got married, I was really young. I was 21. Tracy was 23. And we were like most young couples when you get married. That first anniversary, you really want to go somewhere cool. So we went to like Disney World and did all that, and that was fun. But the second anniversary is really hard, right? It's like the sophomore project of an album. It's really hard to outdo what you did on the first one. And so I thought, man, I got to figure out something to do. Like, I got to take Tracy to somewhere really awesome. And so I decided I, f- I found this place just north of Eureka Springs, Arkansas, called Holiday Island. There was a, it's a golf course community, and they have these beautiful cabins. And, and you can literally, like, when you see the brochure, it's like, oh, my gosh, like, Tracy would find that so romantic. And at the time, Tracy was a first-grade teacher. And so I went to her school, and I opened up her car, and I laid a rose right there on the top, long before The Bachelor, right? <laughs> like, 
I've been hanging roses on my wife's car for a long time, okay? So I hung that rose right there on that deal, and I had a sweet note that said, uh, can't wait to celebrate our second anniversary. Can't, I'll see you at the house or something like that. And I helped pack her bag, and so when she got there, we got in the car, and we left. And I had picked out this, I mean, the brochure was just amazing, right? And we drive about 45 minutes north. We get to Holiday Island. We pull in. I get the key. We go into our cabin. And no lie, like if I could have frozen the look on my face and the look on Tracy's face when we walked in. We walked into a cabin that looked nothing like the brochure. We walked in and it looked like the Brady Bunch had thrown up in there. Like it had gone back years and years and it smelled like feet and tacos. You know that smell? So here I was, I dropped some major coin on a second anniversary trip and I walk into this place and I'm like disappointed, but you know what you try to do? You try to make the other person feel better about it. Like, hey, look, they have color television. Is that a, is that a window unit? Is that an AC unit? You know, and you're in, no lie, man. Everything was puke green in there. I mean, it was like, ah, oh, Okay. And I'll never forget, like, there was that moment where we were reading each other telepathically. And I'll never forget, Tracy looked over at me and she said these words, we can't stay here. <laughs> we can't stay here. And I said the same thing. I said, that's right, baby, we ain't staying here. We got in our Honda Accord, we dropped the keys off at the desk, I paid the bill, and we drove about an hour north and stayed at a Hampton Inn. And I'm just going to tell you, there are times in our lives that we go to places, whether it's a physical place or a spiritual place, and we find ourselves in a place that although it was great to go visit, we just can't stay here. And so today's message is entitled, We Can't Stay Here. So I want to tell you how I totally redeemed myself. This May, Tracy and I decided that we were going to celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary and we were going to go out to Big Sur, California. We've always wanted to go out to Big Sur. If you've never been to Big Sur, it's about an hour and a half uh, south of San Jose. It's right along the corner there by, by, by Carmel, California and, and you know amazing golf courses and everything. But there's one part of the trip that when we got to, it just takes your breath away. It's an area called Bixby Bridge. And when you get to the Bixby Bridge, the, the view is just breathtaking. In fact, I want, to, I want you to see this picture here real quick. This is what it looks like hanging off the cliffs of Big Sur in California at Bixby Bridge, okay? And at that moment, I went back to that second anniversary and I thought, man, we've come a long way. We've come a long way. And I told Tracy, I was like, I wish we could just stay here. This is so beautiful. Like I could see us launching South Crest West, Right there, right? Like, and I'll go as campus pastor, right? And we're gonna build one right on those cliffs. And I remember sitting there with her and you smelt the ocean. It was like smelling the breath of God. And you're just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. This is like, this is what heaven's gonna be like. And I remember looking at Tracy and I said, as great as this is, we can't stay here. It doesn't matter if it's the worst place you've been or the greatest place you've been. There are times and there are places in our life spiritually where we get to the same place. We weren't meant to stay where we are. Your time there has been great. Your moment there has served a purpose. But once you've served the purpose of why you were there, God wanted to move you past there to get you into his promise. You see, this is the place in our life where a lot of people get stuck. I've learned this. They get stuck in between. 
And here's what they say. Well, I've got to leave somewhere physically because I can't stay here because I'm not changing. I hear people say that in their marriage all the time. We can't stay married because if we stay married, and so they think that by changing location will change them. And that's not true. In fact, I want to make this statement to you today. I learned this years ago. The way you leave somewhere will determine how you arrive at your next destination. The way you leave somewhere will determine how you arrive at your next destination. It doesn't matter if it's a job that you think you're leaving. I got to go get a new job. Guess what? You are still at the new job. The problem may not be the location. The problem may be you. And so here's what we say. Well, man, I just got to have a new scenery. Listen, a change of location will only change your scenery. It won't change you. And so I say to parents all the time, parents, there's one legacy you don't want to leave for your kids. It's the legacy of leaving. That when things don't pan out the way that we want them to, we just leave and go somewhere else. Whether it's your marriage, whether it's your finances, whether it's your job, whether it's your parenting, you may go somewhere different, but you'll still be the same person. If you have your Bible today, I want you to turn to the book of Deuteronomy chapter one. It's the fifth book in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter one. I want to read to you today a passage of scripture that I think specifically deals with our lives personally. And even more, I want to speak it to us as a church today. I think God has this word for us here at Southcrest. I'll explain why later. Deuteronomy chapter one, starting with verse three. It says, in the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. Now, where are we in the time continuum of history? God's people had left Egypt. They had crossed over the Red Sea. Now, I don't know if you realize this or not. From the point where they crossed the Red Sea to the point that they were entering into the promised land was approximately 381 miles. We act like it was thousands of miles. 381 miles. Listen, what should have taken the Israelites an 11-day trip became a 40-day journey. Excuse me, 40-year journey in their lives. 381 miles stood between them, their past, and all that God had promised them. But somehow they had stretched it into a 40-year journey. It's kind of crazy when you think about it because it literally took God one day to get them out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of them. Sound familiar to our lives sometimes? We know that God has more for us. We know that God wants to do something great in our lives, but sometimes we just kind of get stuck in the middle. In the episode we're gonna hear about here, they had literally camped and found camp and stopped in the middle of the journey between the Red Sea and the Promised Land. They were probably about halfway. And here they are on this journey and God begins to speak to Moses about all that he had commanded him concerning them. 40 years, 40 years in this place. You see, God had a specific way of speaking to his people. And after 40 years in the wilderness and in camps, God gives them this word. Look at verse six. 
The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Look at verse eight. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to the descendants after them. Wow. After the end of these 40 years, on the 11th month of the 40th year, on the first day, God comes to them after them being in the desert 40 years. And he says, hey, this mountain that you've created, this camp that you have, it's time for you to break camp and it's time for you to advance. It's time for you to leave this place and go in and take possession of all that I had promised you. Can I ask you a question today? Can you imagine all that they had grown accustomed to in 40 years? Can you imagine all that they had gotten used to in their life? I mean, they probably couldn't fathom anything, but hey, this is all we know. This is all we know for 40 years. 40 years in the same place. It probably became very comfortable and probably very, very, very familiar in their life. You see, tent living, because they were living in tents, it wasn't that it was convenient, but it had become a way of life and it had become very, very comfortable. I want to show you what their tent and their camp would have looked like here. This picture here illustrates the 12 tribes that have went around this wall and then the inner place would have been the outer courts and the most holy place. But for 40 years, the Israelites, this is all they knew. They knew their neighbor by where they positioned in the camp. So think about it. Their relatives had died there. Their bones were buried next to their campsites. Moses at that place of Horeb is also known as Mount Sinai. It's where God gave the law to Moses. It was the place where God came and he enveloped the mountain. They actually say to this day, if you go to Mount Sinai, which you can't even get inside the perimeter now because of the Egyptian government, that there are literally burn marks still on the place where God's presence, like fire by night, pillared that mountain. It's crazy. God had given them the law there. It's also the place where idolatry began in their lives. Do you remember Moses was up on the mountain and he's up there trying to, to get all that God is saying to him and they got anxious because Moses wasn't coming down soon enough? And they're like, oh my gosh, like Moses is up there meeting with God. We gotta have some way to worship down here. So they said, hey, let's get some gold and let's make a calf and, and let's start worshiping a calf. And then, you know, Moses comes down off the mountain and you, and you know what he said when he saw the calf? He said, holy cow. No, that's not what he said. <laughs> but the truth is this, that's where they began worshiping idols. Right here in this place. It's the place where they even sent out spies because from Mount Sinai, they could look over and probably see bits and pieces of the promised land in the horizon for them. So they sent out spies to the land and we know the story. They came back and they didn't give a good report. Some of them did, but some of them didn't. Lots of history there. Lots of familiarity there. Lots of comfort 
there. Lots of familiar faces. Susie had spent her life camping next to Julie, who knew Sarah, and they all lit like they smelled each other's camels every morning. Is that Julie's camel? I mean, that's how familiar it had gotten for them. But think about it. God wanted more for them. God wanted more. And I want to tell you today, wherever you are in your life, and I want to speak this over our church today, God wants more for our church. God wants more for you personally. God knows where you are. He knows that you're not where you need to be yet, and he wants to take you there, but he doesn't want you to stay stuck here. See, here's what happens. We get to a place, and to me, it's the scariest place we ever get to in our life. It's the place, and here's what we say. Nothing will ever change. And then we say the craziest thing, and I'm not sure I want it to. Have you ever been in that place? Nothing will ever change. Or, I don't know that I really want it to change. I kind of have my life settled right here. So here's what we say. Such is life. It is what it is. We start settling. Oh, we start settling for more than cable. We start settling. And we get so settled in our lives that we no longer dream big dreams for God. We no longer believe God to move mountains in our lives and our families. We quit praying audacious prayers. And we just settle. We just settle. We begin to tolerate things the way that they are and believe that that's just the way my life is and I begin to accept my life. And here's what I say. Well, this is just my reality. Have you ever been there? I have. I've been to places in my life I was like, God, I'm just so, I'm just so comfortable here. And God says, oh, I got so much more for you, Sean. I wanna take you places you never dreamed you would go in your life. God told them here in this moment, he says, you've stayed at this mountain long enough. It's time for you to break camp and advance. Look at your neighbor and say advance. Look at your other neighbor and say, he said advance. All right, we're gonna talk about that today. How do we break camp and how do we advance? What does breaking camp look like in our lives personally? And what does advancing look like for us in our lives? First of all, we gotta define what a camp is. How many of you love camping? Anybody love camping? Yeah, it's cool, right? You spend a lot of money, you go out and get a lot of gear, and you go out in the woods for a weekend and act homeless. It's kind of cool. <laughs> and then you sleep in one of these little deals called an, an, Eno, an Enos, which is like go to the chiropractor on Monday, and, and camping's good, but, but here's the deal. God knew for them, camping wasn't what God had for them. So what is a camp in our life spiritually? If you have a pen, I want you to write this down. A camp is anything in our life that keeps us wandering in the wilderness instead of stepping into God's purpose and promise. A camp is anything in our life that keeps us wandering in the wilderness instead of stepping into God's purpose and promise for our life. And here's the thing about camps that we need to understand. We must be willing to break camp to experience a breakthrough. I talk to people all the time. They go, Sean, man, would you pray for me? Like, if, if my kid doesn't change, I'm gonna murder them. 
Like I'm gonna get convicted, right? Hard time. I meet people all the time, they go, Sean, would you pray for my, would you pray for my finances? I need a financial breakthrough in my finances. I need God to do something in my job. I need God to do something in my marriage. I need God to do something in my boyfriend's life and my girlfriend's life. Listen, if we're gonna experience a breakthrough, it's gonna begin when we make the decision to break camp. God looked at them and he said, guys, you've been at this mountain long enough. I never destined you to stay in this camp. I destined you to step into my promise. The first step to a breakthrough is when we decide to break camp. We gotta identify the camps we've created. You know, here's what I've learned about in the Christian life. We love camping. You know what I'm saying? We love camping. We have things that we do. And and for Israel, think about for them. For camping, for them, it's the only thing that they knew. And for them, it was a big deal when God said, break camp. I mean, it would have taken almost 450 Levites just to tear down the tent of meeting. So when Moses said, hey, God said it's time to break camp. We got to move on. They were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you sure you heard from God? Moses is like, yeah, it's time. We got to break camp. God said, I met with you on this mountain, but I never intended for you to stay here. Camping was for the wilderness. I made you for a permanent residence. So I want to identify two camps we struggle with. Identify two camps that if we can learn to give these camps and break them over to God, God will help us advance. Number one, our perceptions. Our perceptions. What is a perception? It's a way of thinking. It's a set of feelings we have, beliefs we hold to, and it can even be a filter. Do you realize you have a filter for your faith? You see God and you see the world through the filter of your own perceptions. And sometimes that perception can truly deceive us. I want to make a statement that's very important to us, breaking the camp of our own perceptions today. Here it is. My perception is not my reality. God's word is. My perception is not my reality. God's word is my reality. In fact, I want to say it to you this way. This is going to challenge some of us. God's word has authority over my reality. You say, you actually believe that? Like you're that crazy? Yeah, I am. I mean, I can tell you time and time in my life where I go to God's word and God's word tells me to do something and I start doing it and God starts showing me how he's gonna do something amazing. Why? Because I'm taking him at his word. Our perception is not our reality. God's word is our reality. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. I believe that. If that's true, that has the power to change my marriage. That has the power to change my children. That has the power to change how I think about my finances. Because God's word is my reality, not my perception. I meet people all the time. They go, oh, my perception. Listen, perception is what delayed them in the wilderness. Do you realize that? Their perception is what kept them in the wilderness. Look at Numbers 13 real quick. This is before the book of Deuteronomy. And in Numbers 13, 
This is the story of them going out seeing the spies. Look at verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. You know what I call that? I call that faith. God's already told us it's ours. Let's go get it, boys. Look what it says in verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. Underline in your Bible, we can't. (laughs) You know what the first fault of your perception is? It's always focused on what you can't do. He says, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. Listen, how did they know they were stronger than them? Did they have a bench press contest in the desert? I mean, did they see some dude in the mirrors ripping some curls? Oh, they're much bigger than us. You know why they thought they were stronger? Because of their own perception. You know why some of you always feel adversarial towards other people? Because of your own perception. Oh, I can't love her. Yeah, yeah, just let your perception get in the way. Listen, we gotta let go of the camp of our perception, otherwise we're gonna die in the desert. That one was free. Verse 32, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report. This is just how we feel about the gods in the other land that I know God says we already have. And about the land they explored, listen, they said the land we explored devours those living in it. And all the people, look, we saw there are of great size. (laughs) Caleb came back and he said, I don't give a rip who's in the land. God says it's ours, let's go. And these guys come back and their perception kept them delayed in a desert. Listen. They got delayed in the wilderness, not because they didn't believe God could do great things. They got delayed in the wilderness because they didn't believe God wanted to do great things through them. Haven't we all at times traded the wonder of God for wandering in the desert? I have. I have. You know the second thing we have to break in our life, the second camp, it's our place of comfort or convenience our place of comfort or convenience. You know, there's a false idea of security in our world. How many of you watch golf? Raise your hand if, you, if you're a golf watcher, right? You nap by it. It's great napping. I don't know what it is about the sound of that, but have you noticed how many financial security commercials they play on the golf shows? It's like something about golfers are looking for security. I think it's because golfing's so bad. And you know your stroke is horrible, right? So you're like, oh, I gotta have someone secure my finances. Listen, we have a false idea of security in our life. And you know what it is? It's our comfort and it's our convenience. Somehow we have bought into the idea that our goal is to arrive safely at death. And it's not. God has so much more for us than that. See, here's what happens when I began to live in the camp of my comfort or my convenience. I begin to make decisions based on what I'm afraid of instead of who I have faith in. Think about your life. You know God wants you to advance. You know God wants you to move forward, but you're making decisions based on what you're afraid of instead of who you have faith in. Last time I looked, God spoke and the mountains were formed. So I don't have to look at a 401k to figure out if I'm safe. Safe. 
Listen, faith is not safe and safe is not faith. God wants us to step out of that. God doesn't want us to settle for. He wants us to settle in. He sent us to his place of promise. But here's the struggle with that. Once we get comfortable and convenient, every camp has an alliance and creates allegiances. See, think about it. They had lived so close to each other. They, had, they, they cared for each other. They loved each other in the camp. And what we don't realize is every alliance creates an allegiance. And here's what happens. When we don't want to break that camp in our life and let God be our first and only allegiance, you know what we do? We try to find another camp. We go find another tent. Every camp, our own comfort, our perceptions, our conveniences, if we're not careful, They create allegiances that take us away from God's purpose for our life. I want to challenge you today. Give your full allegiance to God. God, I'll do whatever you call me to do. God, I'll I'll scrub a toilet. I'll clean up trash. God, I'll do whatever you call me to do. Because the breakthrough begins when we break camp. But here's the part I love. We got to start advancing. We have to start advancing. This word that God gave them was, you gotta break camp. You gotta, you gotta be willing to put aside anything that, that struggles for your allegiance other than me. And then he says, and I want you to go. Go. That word advance means go. It means to enter in. It means to move forward. Look at your neighbor real quick and say, move forward. Look at your other neighbor and say, it's time to move on. <laughs> so your neighbor's like, I wish you'd move on right? It's time to move forward. Movement is the first step to momentum. We all say, man, I want momentum in my life. I want to I wanna live in the, the, the fullness of all God has for my life. We'll start moving. We're trying to wait for the world to change, and then when the world's right, then we want to jump in. No, God says start moving now. Like he told them, break camp, start making progress towards my promise for you. Don't wait around. See, faith is not, tell me why, then I will. Faith is, God, I will trust you at the moment of your word. If you tell me to do it, I will do it. Start now, not when. Oh, I'll start when. No, listen, that's false security. Start now. Start where you are. Start now where you are. Where does God want you to start in your life? Is it with your marriage? Maybe the first step you need to do is say, hey, you know what? We're gonna go join a life group because we've been doing life alone so long and and we fight about the same things. I think I wanna join a group of five or six other couples and find out what they fight about, right? So we're gonna go join the jacked up life group because we're jacked up. And guess what? They're jacked up too. One of the best decisions you could ever make, get into a life group and start doing life with people. Some of you say, hey, we need to go to counseling. Start. Make a phone call. Click the button, whatever it takes. But you can't stay where you are. One of the things that I've learned about advancing is Olympic athletes get this. If you're an Olympic swimmer, Olympic sprinter, most Olympic sprinters and swimmers will tell you this. The only reason I got in the Olympics is because I learned how to start. 
You hear Olympic athletes say all the time, I got into the Olympics and I beat my, comp- my opponent by three one-hundredths of a second. And then you ask them the question, how did you do that? They said, I had a good start. Starting's everything. The moment out of the blocks, the moment off the wall is everything. But here's what we do. We want to live our life in our such convenience. We're just waiting and saying, well, I'll go win. No, go now. Advance, move forward, start now. Where in your life are you holding back? And why are you holding back? So I wanna, I wanna tell you this, this is crazy, but I just wanna share this journey with you and then we're gonna close. So two weeks ago, um, we had some bad storms come through the area here in South Atlanta and I had been up for a night or two because we had been some stuff going on and, um, and just really praying, God, where, what do you wanna do in our church? What do you wanna do in my life? Where do you want to take me? <clears throat> it started raining, started storming. Have you ever that moment where you see the lightning and then you know the clap of thunder is going to wake you up? Okay, so it's 2.30 in the morning and this massive lightning bolt, it's like it came right through our house, right? And all, it was so close that the thunder was right behind it. And the moment that the thunder clapped, I sat straight up in bed and I heard a voice in my heart and here's what it said. It's time to advance. I'm like, okay. What do you mean it's time to advance? So I start praying, Lord, is that, what does that mean? Like, you know, and, and I do this with God all the time. God will, God will speak to me something and he'll show me something. And, and he just wants me to trust him for whatever that word is and then go to his word and figure out what it means. And that's what I do a lot in my life. But I'm just telling you, it happened about 30 minutes later. Same clap of lightning stood straight up and the Lord said, it's time to advance. Four days later, I open my Bible. I look in the book of Deuteronomy and I read this verse. Folks, I want to tell you something. Some of you believe the greatest days of Southcrest are behind us. It's not. Our greatest days are ahead of us. When God starts speaking words to you and then he confirms it in your word, in his word, the word of God, Bro, you just need to stand up and start advancing. So I got up and I started journaling and praying and writing. And I'm just telling you, man, it's been like a rhythm in my life. And the Lord's just like, advance, advance. It's time to stop holding back. It's time to stop waiting. It's time to start stepping out, taking one step that leads to the next step, to the next step. And I wanna challenge you, wherever you are in your Christian journey, LaGrange, Noonan, It's time to advance. And I want to speak this word over you today for this reason. Why does God want you to advance? Because he created you for himself. He wants you to move into the promise he has for your life. What are you waiting for? What are you doing stuck in a camp of your own perceptions and your own convenience? I want to tell you, throw that, throw that uh, date on the screen, would you? You get to do this at the last hour, but I don't want to do this today. Look at that date, September 4th, 2056. Verse 3 tells us that on the 11th month of the first day of the 40th year, God spoke to his people and he said, it's time to break the camp in advance. And I started thinking about this. This is our date. 
September 4th, 2056. That's 40 years from today. Where will we go? Will we still be in tents camping? Or do we really want to move in and do it? I don't know about you. Everything in my bones says, Sean, you need to tell God's people it's time to advance. Some of you are going to be sitting in this building 40 years from now, and you're going to remember that date. God said, your 40 years is over. It's time to step up and step out. Let's bow our heads together today. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. Remember, you can find more sermons just like this one on our website at southcrest.church. If you have any questions about our church, email us at hello at southcrest.tv. We'll see you next time.